Welcome to everyone, especially the new students. And shalom. I have to start out with an apology. I have to apologize for the poor spiritual path you've come into. It's very, very poor in teachings. I have nothing to offer you in terms of meditation especially. People are always asking for techniques to improve their ability to meditate. I don't have any. So I have to admit that at the very beginning. I've tried, believe me, I've tried to find techniques and create them. I don't have the stomach for it anymore. I can't do it. But the problem is, I think, not so much with the spiritual path as with the nature of meditation. You see, meditation, all it is is to stop trying to do something. And how can you create a technique for not trying to do anything? If you do, then the very technique defeats the effort of not making any effort. And even that is the problem. And you have to stop trying to stop trying to do something. But the ego can't stop trying to accomplish something. At least trying to accomplish enlightenment, okay, it's a better delusion than the other delusions that people are in. It won't get you in as much trouble. But it's still a delusion. Because you don't exist in the first place. We're reading a book now in one of our courses on... uh, Biology, and there's a chapter on self-reference, and this whole paradox of self-reference uh, has, uh, has become a very big business, actually, since Bertrand Russell and Kurt Gödel and all of these other uh, figures of modern thought. Basically, it, it comes down to the liar's paradox, you know, the guy from Crete who says, I'm lying. And is he, is he telling the truth when he's saying he's lying? Well, if he's telling the truth, he isn't lying. Okay. But then if he's telling the truth and he says he's lying, then he's really lying. You know, anyway, you can go round and round forever in this. And this is basically all the ego is. It's basically a voice in your head attacking you, and then you defend yourself against that voice, you see. It's two voices of self-reference, but they're both delusional. You know, Freud made a big business out of calling one the superego, you know, and the other the ego. And uh, they both come out of the id. And uh, if you spend 20 years paying your psychoanalyst, you know, eventually you'll realize that it was all a waste of time and you should just have been meditating. So they say that psychoanalysis is the disease for which it claims to be the cure. And the problem is that the ego doesn't exist except as the self-reference of one voice referring to another, both of which are in the same mind. And without the two voices attacking one another, of course, there is no mind because the existence of the mind as an illusion is created by the fact that there are voices. And so if there were a modern-day Descartes, he would probably start out with, I attack myself, therefore I am. <laughs> so you could say that the ego's existence is neurosis by very definition. And you can't cure the neurosis by trying to get better, because as soon as you do that, then the neurosis gets worse. And the more you try to get better, the more the voice will tell you, well, you're still not good enough, sorry. And so you're in the gerbil cage going round and round. And then, of course, you can decide to attack the voice back, or you can flee from it, and 
The best thing, of course, is you can project the voice out. Instead of attacking yourself, you can marry somebody who will attack you. And then, of course, you can have a fight with somebody else and you can blame them for your miserable existence. But it's still the same neurosis. It's just now you have to hire a family therapist. And it's even more expensive. So the whole thing has gotten completely out of control. And the problem is that the ego doesn't want to admit that it's an illusion in the first place. There was a guy who came to a Zen master named Nan In, and the, the, the guy was all in a, a fuss. He, he was bored with his existence. That's also another modern existential dilemma. He says, all existence is, is you get dressed, you eat, and then you do it over and over and over again. How do I get out of this? And he said, well, what we Zen masters do is we get dressed, and then we eat. <laughs> and he said, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you mean. And the Zen master said, well, if you don't understand, I suggest you get dressed and you go eat. Well, believe it or not, some people get enlightened when they hear this Zen koan. There's another one about the guy who thinks he knew it all. He wanted to actually improve the Zen monastery. He said, you know, sitting there doing nothing is a waste of people's time. You should actually teach them to do Reiki on each other. You know, and, and teach them mantras and, and teach them how to do other things, you know, and have them do some Tai Chi and, you know, make it more interesting for people. And, uh, you know, the Zen master wasn't particularly uh, impressed by all this. And so he said to the guy, come have a cup of tea. And he started pouring the tea into the cup and he kept pouring and the thing, you know, overflowed. And he said, stop, stop pouring. There's no more that'll fit into it. And he said, yes, well, this is like you, you see. You're overflowing with this knowledge, and because it's not empty, there's no room uh, to put in the truth. And so what we have to do is empty ourselves, not fill ourselves with more information. The information is only useful if it allows you to get so disgusted with your own ego that you decide, I'm bored with it, I'm out of here. But then, of course, there's nobody really who gets out of here. And that becomes an anti-climax that the ego doesn't want to face. You don't even get to become enlightened, you know. You, you don't escape and become liberated. You just realize you don't exist. The whole thing, poof, it was, you know, ends with a whimper, not a bang. And so the last thing people want to do is achieve enlightenment. Because it means this great titanic game is over. Because every ego is this titanic drama of forces fighting each other, you know. It's, uh, uh, Lacan called it the life drive versus the death drive. Of course, really, these two drives are actually very puny. But they build themselves up into this vast drama of forces. And you're always fighting for some noble cause. And, of course, the bigger your cause is, the closer you are to psychosis. Um, but this is the kind of thing that keeps people interested in their own minds, and then they don't have to actually live an authentic life because they're so caught up in this internal drama that they don't have actual relationships with other people. They never have to love anyone. They never have to be concerned or compassionate or, or, or real because they're obsessed with these forces that are both attacking them and that they are trying to get revenge for and set things right and, you know, living this vast mythological system that all ends up signifying nothing. And uh, 
you're either caught up in the drama or you escape into the dharma. Those are the two options, dharma and drama. If your dharma is mellow, you won't be in a mellow drama. But to have a mellow dharma means you have to accept the fact that there's nothing to gain, not from anything, not from meditation, not from any other thing you would do to improve yourself. You can't be improved on, which in a way is a good thing, isn't it? You're already the Buddha nature. You're already enlightened. You already have God inside of you. You are already that, right? This is what all the traditions teach. But no, 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 I've got to create a cloud in front of this realization and then try to blow away the cloud. And then as soon as it's nearly blown away, I've got to import a new cloud so it's never done. Okay, it keeps you from being bored. People are afraid they'll be bored if they're enlightened. That's the, the, really the ultimate enemy. But the extraordinary thing is that when you have finally let go of this game of chasing your own tail, that's when the bliss actually emerges from within. And that's why the simple act of not doing anything, which drops all of these veils of illusion away, allows you to enter into the source of your being, the sat, which is already magical and miraculous and astonishing. Without having to do anything, without having to become anything, without having to be anybody, by letting go of that desire to try to be somebody and do something and achieve something, that's when you discover the reality, the supreme reality of what you are. But it means letting go of playing with this doll of the ego that you both love more than anything else and you hate more than anything else. You want to enjoy punishing it and you want to enjoy praising it and you want to go up and down in this wonderful intoxication of manic depressive bipolarity and, and every ego enjoys this game but when you let it go and you allow yourself to be at peace then you discover that that peace is more astonishing and wondrous and miraculous than anything else that you could imagine so that's all that we're doing here is letting go of trying to do anything and realizing this amazingness of who you really are. Okay? So, give yourself permission to not do anything tonight.